I support women's rights and women's wrongs. Hello and welcome to the Euro What, episode 220, dropping on February 27th, 2024. We are a pair of Americans trying to make sense of the Eurovision Song Contest. I'm Mike McCone, and I'm here with my co-host, Ben Smith. Hey, Ben. Hey, Mike. In this episode, we'll be wrapping up February with selections from Belgium, San Marino, and Croatia. How's it going, Ben? It's good, although I feel like I am still in recovery from the San Marino experience. The San Marino outlet experience. Outlet of what? I am not sure at this point. (laughs) (sighs) Yeah. That was a long one. We will get into that. Otherwise, it's been a pretty quiet week, uh, considering that we are still in the thick of selection season. It feels like we're kind of gliding in for a landing rather than everything crashing down. It's just at, like all hands on deck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, like every, everybody uh, coordinated their calendars and we thank them for that. Yeah, just like a relatively low amount of turbulence as long as we're using airplane metaphors. But let's drop down the oxygen masks. Wait, no, I don't know where I'm going. <laughs> yeah, we, we, do, we, do, we do need those for Unavoche for San Marino. Yes, yes. Uh, we will save that for uh, a little bit. But uh, yeah, the week started off with Belgium's Musti uh, dropping his track before the party's over. So this was one of the artists that was revealed very early on, and we've been waiting quite a while for this track. What are your first impressions of this one? I've listened to this one a few times now. It feels like it wants to be a longer version than a three-minute song to me. Like, this feels like a cut-down version of something that has a little bit more movement. I like the first minute of it, and I like the last minute of it, and the middle just sort of tries to figure out how to resolve those pieces. I get that. Yeah. Like, it, it's like trying to be a transition between the two, and it's just kind of repeating one part and not quite kicking off into the second part. Yeah. This needs a little bit more time in the middle to do something that transitions these two pieces. It also sounds a lot like Rise Like a Phoenix to me in the ending. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah, because I was kind of getting a Duncan Lawrence vibe a little bit. Like, they, they have similar voices. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think Wisdy has a lot more personality. I think yes. it's kind of like a, a, <laughs> a Jake Shearsness about okay. him that uh, I'm kind of responding to. I like this more than I was expecting to, if, if I'm being honest, because listening to other tracks from Wisdy, it's like, nah, this isn't really quite my style but Mm -hmm. uh yeah this this was like i I feel like it's still in his style but a little bit more approachable from watching the video i am interested to see what they do with this visually yes i feel like there's a big risk happening with this one just because of like how anthemic it is Mm -hmm. and if it doesn't land in the arena or the audience is just not warmed up properly I think this has the potential of really flopping or being a huge success. Like, I I don't think there's a lot of middle ground here. Yeah, I I would fully agree with that. I think this is either going to click or it's not going to click. And I'm very interested to see which way it goes. I really think Running Order is going to play a huge, 
huge factor in the success of this one. Belgium is in the second half of the second semifinal, so that is where it needs to be to be yeah, successful. Yeah, like that's, that's, that's where it needs to be, is like it needs to be in the second half. I'm curious about this one, especially if he uh, is making any appearances at fan events or doing any live performances of this song before going to Eurovision. I feel like this needs to be road tested to really work. This is one of the ones where we have not seen a live performance of it yet, where I'm like, I need I need that little variable in my calculus to figure out how I think this is going to play. Kind of excited that we finally have an entry where it's just like, oh, this could go so many different ways, and you just kind of need to see how it plays out. I guess we're going into Una Voce then. Uh- <laughs> yep, yeah, this, the, the main event, just because it was on TV for so many hours. I think the thing that's really funny about it is this year's Univoce per San Marino field was smaller than the previous two fields. They kept it down <laughs> to 17 entries, and I think this may have been the longest edition of the three editions that have happened so far. <laughs> I mean, like, I saw on our calendar that we had it as scheduled from being from 3 to 6 p.m. America time. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. It's cute that we think that, that they're going to contain themselves to that box. They should have. I- <laughs> like, like they, they, they absolutely should have. There were times where they we were just like really getting through the actual entries at a clip, and then it would be interval time, and time would stand still as Ricardo Conciante was brought out for like the third time. My Google search history was just like Ricardo Conciante, San Marino. Ricardo Conciante, San Marino owes money. Ricardo Conciante, San Marino prisoner. Ricardo, blink twice if you're being held against your will. We will send the team. We will get you out of there. He looked like he was having a good time. Yes. Did you watch any of the semifinals throughout the week? No, I value my time. Okay. Yeah, that that was kind of my attitude about <laughs> it as well. Particularly because like, it was 125 acts. Only one from each broadcast made it through to the final. And then there were three or four that would make it to the second chance round. And that was combined with the six or seven San Marino acts that were in their own semifinal on Friday. So they had like another 30 there. And then like whoever found the immunity idol automatically got a spot in the grand final. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, yeah. And then you had all of the like the big artists, which, okay, we need to talk about what the definition of big (laughs) artist is. My theory now is these are the acts that said they were willing to help pay for more of the actual expenses of going to Malmo and staging the thing than anybody else did. I buy that theory, yeah. Some of the names were recognizable, like we had Loredana Berte, who was at San Remo. Like, early With the same song. song. <laughs> exact same song, uh, exact same outfit, same hairstyle, like everything. <laughs> it's just like she is on a multi-national final process journey to terrorize Bjorn Borg, and I, for one, stan. We love our chaotic queen. Did they have an acrimonious divorce? You seem very invested in this uh, Just like, this, this is purely what I have picked up from the internet. Is She has, at some point, said something along the lines of, no, she's, she just wants to go terrorize Bjorn Borg. I'm like, heck yeah. I support women's rights and women's wrongs. There were a couple of the big acts where like their performances were just a mess. And it's just like, how are they being defined as big artist just like, and- please please explain when, when we got the the video postcards from sinit and valentina moneta just like both on vacation or or like in sinit's in sinit's case like touring the states and doing a couple shows over here it's like oh we're not gonna get fun intervals this year i didn't know who was going to be responsible for hosting is sinit gonna be doing it again and like could not find anything there was no like real press release on san marino's website or anything like that 
when she wasn't introduced after like the first 10 minutes like oh i guess sunit's not going to be here okay mm-hmm. <laughs> like they need to lock her down for the, the next edition i need outfits i did find the hosts kind of charming if uh completely frazzled by the end like about 90 minutes before the show ended they were getting very giggly and very <laughs> loopy <laughs> yeah no they were having fun i know that Una Voce is trying to be its own thing, but there's like a real San Remo Jr. aspect happening that I enjoy. Not to be confused with uh, San Remo Giovanni, uh, but like Junior Junior. Yeah, <laughs> so. the littlest San Remo. From the 17 acts, the top three were La Rua, Loredana Berte, and the winner, Megara. so pleased with this outcome i know that una voce is not rigged but i was just like oh this is just like the laura donna berte approval process and then and like it got down to her and megara and then they announced megara but like the megara performance had big san marino energy by which i mean it was chaotic i didn't think it was too chaotic and organized chaos like the sort of the sort of like a lot of things are happening at once that san remo not, not san remo san marino has shown the last few years that they enjoy doing I get that. But I mean, I feel like it is consistent because uh, Megara, they were at Benidorm last year and they actually had one of my favorite songs at Benidorm last yes, year. Yes, agreed, and, agreed. Yeah. And uh, I was so pleased to see that they were uh, trying for Univoce. They were actually one of the second chance participants in the semifinal process. Uh, they, d- they did not get through in their original heat and made it to the Friday round. It was great to see that they went through the full DMV process and got their real ID driver's license. So uh, congrats, everybody. <laughs> congrats, everybody. Their performance, it was fully realized. I, I have to think that they must have submitted this for Benidorm and had everything kind of mapped out and then didn't get through that process. So they're just like, well, let's just move shop over to San Marino and paid off. Oh, this is ready to go to Malmo, which I think probably factored into its selection. Mm-hmm. That, and also they were the last to perform in the lineup and probably woke everybody up. Five hours in, just like, oh, hey, this is highly energetic that we've woken up the crowd. There was such a cute moment when they were doing the announcement of the results where it came down to Loredana and Megara, and they were standing next to each other and kind of gestured towards each other, being like, oh, cool, it looks like we're all in the same band with like Loredana's bright blue hair and the lead singer uh, of Megara's bright pink hair. And it's like, oh, yeah, you, you should tour together. <laughs> mm-hmm. So apparently, it, during last year's Univoce per San Marino, Nebulosa was part of the process and didn't make it. And that me- now means that somebody who lost at Benidorm last year is representing San Marino this year, and somebody who lost at Univoce per San Marino last year is representing Spain this year. I approve of that trade. Yeah, like that's that's just some fun ships passing in the night. Win-win for everybody. I'm so excited to see how this entry grows, and like, really, I'm so glad that Magarat made it to Eurovision, because I, I think they're going to do well, or at least have a great time there. All right, and then closing out the weekend in terms of selections, we had Dora, which kicked off on Thursday of this week and wrapped up Sunday. That was a really fun show. At every stage of the way, a lot of fun, and Croatia just has like a lot of a lot to choose from. I love what they've been doing the last few years, and it really feels like they've been flying under the radar. I don't think that's going to be the case after this year's Dora. If I have 
One thing I would change is I would have loved the semifinals to be actual semis and cut things down by half. They were really, really good about getting through everything, but you could have had 12 in this final, and I would not have missed the four that got cut. Yes, and I think the scoreboard would agree with that. Uh, there, there are some very low scores from the jury, and the televote did not help. No, well, I mean, the televote didn't help because it turns out it was kind of a bloodbath. <laughs> oh my god. Like, uh, yeah, so, um, g- going over the results, the top three from Croatia were Baby Lasagna, Vinko, and Let Three. They led the jury. Not surprised by two of those three. Like, Vinko's song didn't really register with me, but I, I guess it struck a chord with the people of Croatia. They did a nice little montage of previous times Croatia has had a national selection and, and like, Admittedly, Let3 blasted the previous couple things that Croatia had been selecting out of my brain. And I was like, oh, right, they did send me a Dimchik uh, two years ago with that the, with with that song. And it was fine. The Let3 side of Croatia, it turns out, is a little bit more my taste. There is a slot in Croatia's selection for something like Avinko, even though I, like, it was fine. It wasn't my thing. As the televote was coming in, it was kind of low scores at the bottom of the scoreboard, which you kind of expect, like the the jury and the televote seemed to be on the same wavelength. And then after they got about halfway past the scoreboard, then we started seeing some double digit results. It's like, wow, these are really low numbers. I'm, I'm sure once it gets to let three, it's going to just kind of skyrocket. It didn't happen with Let3. They were in the 20s. Everybody was in the 20s, except for Baby Lasagna, who got 247 points in the televote. Yes, and like it was at the point on the scoreboard, you're like, well, he only needs nine points. When his final score was revealed, I actually let out a whoa. (laughs) It it was just such an (laughs) overwhelming win. I am so delighted by that. I had mentally gotten myself in a knot going, okay, like, I like this a lot, and I feel like it's going to resonate with the televote, but what if the jury doesn't like this? Rim Tim Toggy Dim. Like, it, it, it is a very silly song. There's more to it than that. Like, I, I've really been wrestling with this one a lot in the past week. But, okay. Uh, but, like, in, like, the sort of media studies annoying way that I <laughs> kind of get caught okay. up in songs. Like, I'm I'm favorable towards it, Ben. I know you love this. At the beginning of this Eurovision season, I was very team. Everybody needs to send their weird little dude. What if that happened? And then, like, as that has been happening, I've been like, oh... Oh, we need some structural support because this stage is getting very full. Maybe we have enough weird little guys and we can start filling in like the other sort of structural Eurovision components. And then I watched Rim Tim Toggy Dim and was like, well, no, there need- we need this one more. I think the thing that boggles my mind the most about this is he wasn't supposed to be in the lineup. He wasn't supposed to be here. He, he was the first alternate, Zsa, Zsa who was supposed to be in the field, dropped out. So I'm hoping he is sending her flowers as we speak. So Yeah, no, like, I, like I'm just imagining Zsa, Zsa happened to listen to that song. I was like, yeah, no, it, it, he needs to go. Yeah, I think this is kind of shaken 
things up. Like, I mean, this was the favorite going in. My husband keeps very close track of the odds, even though I'm like, don't listen to the bookkeepers. But um, like, they they do tend to be right about the national final side of things. Mm-hmm. But yes, um, yeah, it's like wow, I'm I'm surprised, especially with Let Three in the mix, that this one would have such overwhelming support. I like the idea of what's happening with the visuals of Baba Roga at the Dora performance. But it feels like there's some there's like one piece of that I'm supposed to be getting out of it that I'm just not. It does feel like a at least a spiritual sequel to what they did last year. Yes. I think of Baba Yaga and that's like a chicken feet thing. So that, like I'm, I'm kind of understanding the bird motif, but I'm not understanding mm-hmm. the rest of the Katamari Damachi uh, <laughs> aesthetic that it's that it has. Yes, but what is the story we are telling be- besides Let 3 has been captured by giant chickens? Yeah, and that they are very into the clothing optional scene. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was it was a very Let 3 style of chicken, although there was a moment earlier this weekend where I knew I needed to stop watching Eurovision stuff and go outside because someone had taken the clip of John Travolta being forced to do the chicken dance on Italian television and had put the Baba Roga music over it. <laughs> and I understood everything about that picture. And it was time to to turn off the internet. With Baby Lasagna, I was on board from the song and the original video. And then the staging happened. I'm like, yes, this is what I want for this song. It's hitting both the folk music side of things mashed up with something that's going on in in music today the thing i like about the song is that it feels both deeply personal but also deeply universal the visuals the lace stuff on the drum set the outfit and the everything and the sleeves i didn't even notice the like the doilies on the drum cymbals until the winner's performance <laughs> it's just okay. Like, oh, okay that is a really nice touch so. <laughs> There are little areas that I think it needs to be finessed for Malmo. They've got really good bass here. Yeah. If anything, I want the dancing cat screensaver playing on a TV in my eye shot at all times. Thank goodness of the cat entries we've had this season, the best one is going. I know that last week I said that I was all in on Lithuania. I would not mind going to Zagreb. I mean, I think that is the thing that I am most excited about this winning and now being in the conversation. I think the Balkans should be doing better at Eurovision, and I think this is finally going to give that area of Europe the attention that it deserves. Yes. Also, I would like to go to Zagreb. (laughs) Balkans, please. Sweden had a slight advantage in that it was the only thing on before everything else got started, and I fell into the trap of watching Melfest live rather than my normal skim on Sunday morning. I was out running errands on Saturday morning and realized I was not going to make it home in time for the start of Melfest this week. It was like, you can't trick me, Sweden. Like, yeah. Even even if you're the only thing on at 2pm, I don't need to watch you live until the final, and even then. I really don't think you missed much. Yeah, like I went back and watched stuff later and it was it was fine. One of the things that I'm finding really fascinating is how much Sweden really hates Swedish. Like it's it's been over 25 years since they've sent a Swedish language song to Eurovision and I don't think that's going to be changing anytime soon. There are no Swedish songs in the Belfast final yet. There are only two that are in the wildcard voting process for this year's edition. And one of them is there because they were in a heat where half the songs were in Swedish. So just because of math, there was going to be a Swedish song. I just find that kind of strange. Even people who have previously done Melfest with Swedish songs, like Danny Saucedo, are singing in English this year. 
Well, especially given the last few years of Eurovision, where it feels like songs that are in their own language are having a real moment. There's one in next week's heat, and I'm not confident about it. For this week's heat, Danny Sacedo and Daughter made it direct to final, which is not a surprise. They were the two big names. Those are big names, and like both of those songs were very competent, sort of like like a, a step above the the rest. The two wild cards were Albin Tingwall and Scarlet. That Scarlet performance really uh... <laughs> It was it was very opening number of a musical that I have no desire to see. Yeah, I mean it really reminded me of something from Nightmare Before Christmas. And it's weird because it's just like, oh, we already have a lot of this at Eurovision this year. I don't know if Spirit Halloween has somehow become a sponsor <laughs> of the contest or what is going on, but as long as we're having Melfest Grievances Corner this week, I don't understand the age breakdown system. Why is there a three to nine-year-old group? They have devices, because like, when they introduced this system four or five years ago, however long it was, like I, I had that same question. It's like, oh, no, everybody has like a cell phone, an iPad, whatever, you know, like, even the toddler set. Is there enough of a dis- of a defined taste level? Like, how are, how are they evaluating that the person sending in the vote is actually a three to nine year old? If you look at how the scoring worked out, they went for thirty uh, kmh, which was brightly colored and felt like a children's song. So, yeah, and was in Swedish. So, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah, like uh, I don't know, that could be an interesting data analysis which yeah. i mean i think that is I, honestly i think that is part of it where it's just like oh okay now melfest is collecting all of this data about taste profiles for different audiences and um yeah really looking forward to our ai future and yeah the quality of this year's entries <laughs> one of them was going to get an automatic ticket to the eurovision grand final congrats so yeah and it could be one of the people next week we've got marcus and martinus who are the runners-up in last year's contest We've got Medina, who was third place in 2022, and Electra, who was a contestant on Drag Race Sweden. Also, whoever finishes third and fourth next week will be added to the wildcard vote. It's like happening end of show. Yes. So bonus voting, two acts from the 10 that are in that grouping will also make it to the Melfest final the following week. It's probably going to be a slightly bigger show on Saturday, which... Fine. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> which, which, not necessarily a good thing. I am looking over the the current second chance things. Like I've weirdly gotten to a place where I'm like, I need I need Ganilla to, to have to perform again. That's the one I remember the song. Bland, I mean, I guess maybe Scarlet and Circus X, just because like at, at least it's uh, a memorable look going on. Froken Snusk also had the very strong visual presence. That was like the ski mask people, I think. Yes, that, okay, yeah. But also, like, the age group system isn't being used for that vote. Just like, oh, what it's is, not. No. Is it just, it's just straight televote. Yeah, it's just straight televotes. What does the age group system bring to the voting that separating it by, like, regions of Sweden doesn't? Sweden, I don't understand. I was much more interested in Iceland this week because they are on the second of two heats over at Songvakepnen. This felt like a really strong semifinal for them. I feel like everything was very competent, and if you wanted to create a checklist of this is how you do a Scandi pop song, I know that Iceland's not Scandinavian. Work with me here. Uh, <laughs> but this is checking all of the boxes, like particularly Hera Bjork's performance. It's like, oh, this is doing everything that it should be doing to be a Scandi pop performance at Eurovision. Hera Bjork has done this before. She knows what the performance needs to look like, and it delivered on all levels. Exactly. 
the Bashar Murad song, there have been various articles coming out over the course of the week of how he got to Song of a Captain, how this has been developing over like a year and a half. Oh, wow. Yeah, like this is him going, okay, I'm interested in doing Eurovision. I emailed my friends in Hatari and was like, hey, can you guys confirm that I don't need to be from Iceland? I just need to sing in Icelandic. He came over to do some shows and ended up collaborating with Einar from Hatari, who is also a producer, uh, and had like a, a demo of something he'd produced called Wild West. He played that and Bashar started writing lyrics. They wrote the song. They brought in Matthias, uh, formerly of Hatari, to do the Icelandic lyrics. And then Bashar asked Andrian, who is one of the dancers for Hatred Mood Sigra, to do the staging and choreography. A nice little family reunion. And like, I had not loved the studio version of that song, but I really like the performance of this. Yeah, I thought this performance was good, but it also felt like, okay, I just have to get through this Icelandic thing and then I can perform in English next time. Please let yeah. me get through this. Yeah, like, there's definitely that vibe to it of like, this is the qualifying step. I like how much culture jamming and mashing up of different tropes it's doing. It's very fun on that level. I am very excited to see what the English version performance is going to be, because I think it's going to be a little bit more lived in, maybe is the way to describe it. This was strong, but I feel like the English version is going to be a little bit more more confident. I think this performance uh, was a good run through for the choreography, which I think the, I, I think the choreography is working very well for this track. The staging and choreo is is super cool, and again, just doing a lot of really fun culture mashup. The wild card from everything was announced, and it was one of the other songs from the second semifinal, Siga Oks song that has like a different name, but I keep wanting to call Go Tiffany. Yeah, well, I mean, that is what the chorus is. Yeah, <laughs> it's just just like we're cheering on Tiffany. I don't know what she's going for, but Go Tiffany. I thought that was a good choice for the wild card, although this one is so different from Siga's song from last year. Production-wise, I'm like, I don't know what her voice is as an artist, other than just wants to go to Eurovision. Which is not a bad thing if you want to go to Eurovision and you're competing for Eurovision, but just like, she, she is a voice that is being plugged into songs. I get that. Yeah, like, she was first to perform in the semifinal, and my note for that is thesis statement for the semi, where it is just kind of saying, okay, these are the things you need to do in a Eurovision song to be successful at Eurovision, not win Eurovision, but to be successful and have a song where people are going to be like, oh, this is a bop, like that. Yeah. Really, all of the other entries except Bashar's, like, kind of were variations on this same sort of style of song. Yeah, like, it's all very competently done. It doesn't necessarily feel like a winner at Eurovision, but it feels like a very strong performance. It should be a good final. I, I like everything that advanced. They had a really good crop to choose from. Like, I, I don't think there was any one entry where if it was picked as the wild card, I would have been like, oh, how dare you? Like, I, I think each one has pros and cons. There were a couple songs where the live performance was like, I don't know about this. As songs, just like all very good choices. Good job, Iceland. Looking forward to what happens on Saturday. Portugal was also happening during Univoce per San Marino, and I didn't actually find out which one finished first. Uh, I have I have a feeling it was a photo finish between the two. Yeah, like honestly, I would believe either one finishing first, because that was just a lot of San Marino. 
Portugal's Festival de Canção kicked off. There were 10 songs that performed. Five got through on combined jury and televote. Those were the ones from Nena, Perpetua, Rita Roca, João Borsch, and Yolanda. After those were announced, there was another televote for a wildcard, and that went to Noble's Memory. Were you able to watch any of Portugal, or did you just catch up? I only caught up after the fact. Portugal has some really cool stuff this year, and like I really like how different all of the stagings feel. These feel like the correct choices. I agree. I think all of the ones that I was like, yeah, yeah, I get it, and like closed the window early were the ones that did not uh, make it. So yeah, I'm on the same wavelength as Portugal, but uh, yeah, like there are a couple that got through that was just like, oh, I really like this. It will not do well at Eurovision. Like I'm, I'm particularly thinking of uh, Bem Long de Key, uh, which was like the kind of disco funk ballet. Yeah, yeah, like that one. Like this is interesting. I don't think Eurovision would like this, but this is interesting. Yeah, yeah. And Rita Roca had the harp, which is like, ooh. We need more harps on stage. That was fun to like watch her play and like just beautiful voice too. Portugal is, as always, kind of doing their own thing, and I really like that. I have a feeling it's going to be Yolanda that takes this. My my understanding is she was the favorite going into uh, Saturday's show, favorite to win overall, like huge YouTube numbers already, and it's like less than twenty four hours since the show. That performance just kind of felt like it was on a different plane than Mm -hmm. the other ones. Like, it it was just so, like, I I have a note in here that it's just Albanian. Like, it feels like something that would also (laughs) perform well at Festival Congas. All right. And then we have the second semifinal on Saturday. So more songs entering the fray. Might actually be able to watch that one this time. I think it's going to depend on how long Serbia goes, because that one is also coming up this week. So Serbia has semifinals. Those are going to be Tuesday and Thursday with the final on Saturday. There are going to be 14 songs each semifinal, which means that there's going to be 16 in the final. I have been sort of gleefully watching as everything has done the required lip syncing of your song on Serbian daytime television portion of things. Oh, I have not seen this. Uh. Oh, you know, no, 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 uh, just watching Constracted just kind of doing her song and looking slightly over it. Okay. Oh, I, I will need to track this down. Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, there, like, I have been seeing clips. We are starting to get, like, the first waves of all of the internal selections going, hello, my song will be out on, on X date. February 29th, we have two songs. Cyprus is debuting Liar, which I think has, like, some little snippet hanging out. Uh, and then Just Klein from the Netherlands is debuting Europapa on February 29th, which I am I am interested to see what that is. The video announcing the drop date, he's wearing this blue jacket that seems to be inspired by Caria's bolero. A little concerned about that. Uh, just be like, how, how, how matchy-matchy are we going to be here? Like, I get that that worked last year, but you can't just do the same thing from last year. That's not how this works. We'll see how that goes. And then on Friday, we will get uh, Ali Alexander's Dizzy. And Austria's Colleen will debut We Will Rave. We're going to have a lot more songs to talk about next week. We're getting to the last stages of this. Everyone's paperwork is due. That's going to do it for this episode of the EuroWhat. Thanks for listening. The EuroWhat podcast is hosted by Mike McComb, that's me, and Ben Smith. That's me. If you'd like to help support the show and access a ton of bonus content, head over to patreon.com slash EuroWhat. Our full coverage of the 2024 Eurovision Song Contest can be found on our website at eurowhat.com. 
You can also follow us on social media at EuroWhat. Next time on the EuroWhat, we march into internal selection season. And it was time to turn off the internet.